yesterday, last night they were over our house, we were doing a fire in the backyard, and uh, we were having a good time, and all of a sudden we hear this loud screech of tires, and we've all heard that before, but it was super loud, enough to like, we all looked up, and through our backyard, through our backyard, uh, through our backyard, neighbor's backyard, and down to the next street, we looked up just in time to see a car, an SUV, come right after the screech, come like this, turn sideways, and flip over. Now, if you've ever heard um, the crushing of automobile, it is a sickening sound. And so, Jake explodes like, I like Superman, he explodes, flies over my back fence, gets to the car, rips the door off its hinges, and pulls this guy to safety. I'm kidding, he didn't rip the door off its hinges. But, he gets there, and... In the meantime, I'm still back trying to climb over the fence. And uh, so I get there, and by the time I get there, I thought I was going to have a heart attack because my adrenaline was pumping, right? You don't know what you're going to see. And I just, enough said. So uh, I got there, and Jake had the guy out of the car, and so I talked to him for a while. Jake had to make his statement to the to the police, and Andrew Clink actually came later with the uh, with the. Um, ambulance. Everything, everybody was okay. Nobody got seriously hurt. The kid was okay. But then this morning, I, um, I, I read in Psalms how it talks about um, don't let your eyes see. And, and then I kind of translated that for the rest of my life. Don't let my eyes see. Don't let me do. Don't let me be about anything that is worthless. Right? And I thought about that in the light of what happened last night. Um, is that life is extremely short. I mean, when you see something like that happen, you start going through the, like, what ifs. Like, what if there was somebody else in the car? What if there was kids in the way? What if, what if, what if? And it's just a a very potent uh, reminder that life is extremely short. And so in light of what we've been talking about here on Sunday mornings with um, living in light of eternity and, and your position in life, living that for the sake of the gospel, and, and not wasting our time with anything that is worthless, with my eyes, with my actions, uh, with any of that, because life is short. And so um, we, wanna, we want to seriously live in light of eternity, because it could be today, it could be tomorrow, it could be in 100 years from now. Um, I don't know. But live today like it's your last day, right? And so, um, like Jake said in the video, we're going to take the offering and just continue to worship together one more song and sing of the greatness of our God um, in preparation for Alan to come and speak to us. Welcome to Creekside. If you're just joining us for the first time, we are on week three of four on a series talking about the family. Family ties. And our theme verse in this has kind of been 1 Corinthians 7.17. It says, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. You know, we're all, we're all different. We're all in different positions in our life. And the question for all of us is, how am I going to lead the life that God has called me to, what does that look like? You know, I have 
unique challenges, no matter where I'm at. If I'm single, I've got some unique challenges and some unique blessings. If I'm married, that brings its own challenges and its own blessings. And today, we're going to be thinking together about this thing we call parenthood. And I've kind of titled this, maybe, maybe a little audaciously, The Purpose of Parenting, okay? The Purpose of Parenting. Now, the question is, in light of eternity and, and how short this life is, how do I, as a parent, how do I leverage where I'm at to serve God's kingdom? What does that look like? Now, one of the things that you find out when you first become a parent well, one of the very first things is how much you don't know. I remember that feeling of driving home from the hospital, completely terrified. There's this baby in the back seat, and I'm like white knuckle on the wheel, like just don't get in a wreck on the way home. Don't get in a wreck on the way home. But, you know, that's, that's nothing. Getting home is easy. When you get home, you realize there's all these things you don't know. And you also realize that there are what feels like oceans of books written to parents on every conceivable topic. Now, the first one that I think most parents start to, to grapple with is this thorny problem of getting your kids to sleep through the night. You come home, you got this cute, adorable, innocent baby that starts to feel like a monster at nighttime, all right? You just, you just want to be able to get four hours of sleep, and it's really hard. And so, so you, you frantically start looking for resources and help. How can I get my kid to sleep through the night? Now, in 1985, a guy named Richard Ferber published the book, Solve Your Child's Sleep Problems. Now, that, is that the most awesome name for a book you've ever heard? Solve Your Child's Sleep Problems. And basically... He, he devised an elaborate system just to say, let him try it out, all right? Now that, that launched a counter uh, group of people saying, no, that's not right. You know, you, 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 you can't just let your kids cry it out. You're going to leave, leave them with these deep emotional scars. And there's two camps going at it. And then there's the other people coming along. And they've got their own strategy. I mean, seriously, there, there's... If, if you haven't been there, you, you'll realize there's like genres of strategies of how to get your kids to sleep through the night. And, and you kind of feel like you're trying to cross the Atlantic in a canoe uh, just to navigate through all this information, okay? And then when you finally get to the other side, you realize all you've done is got your kid to sleep through the night, all right? I mean, everyone sleeps through the night, right? That's nothing, but it feels like a major accomplishment when it's, your, when it's your baby. But still ahead, you've got the mountain ranges of baby food, preventing allergies, sleeping in a toddler bed, how to take away the pacifier, how to get her to stop sucking her thumb. Yes. How much TV they can watch, how to be consistent and disciplined, when to tell them about the birds and the bees, how to deal with teenagers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. My oldest is nine, so some of those are filling me with dread right at this moment. But sometimes we're fortunate enough to kind of get uh, a glimpse and a picture where all this information kind of gets boiled down and distilled into the basics. So today we're going to look at one of those verses, one of those moments of clarity. And it's from Ephesians chapter 6. 
We're going to look at one verse that kind of goes to the foundation of this structure called parenthood. One verse that gives us a blueprint of what's truly important from God's perspective. Ephesians 6.4 says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now Paul has just gotten done addressing wives and husbands and children, and you're like, all right, I'm, I'm ready, I'm waiting for parenthood. And then it's one verse. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This one verse, I think, holds two really core truths that we're going to talk about this morning. Two core truths that if you really get these, it's, it's, it's going to take care of a lot of other things. Two core truths that if we really focus on uh, as parents, I believe that God is going to really bless uh, what happens in, our, in that endeavor. So the first thing I want you to see is this word fathers. Now the Greek word is pateris. It can either be translated as fathers, plural, or it can also be used to talk about uh, parents and meaning the mom and the dad. And I really think that's the usage here. If you look in Hebrews eleven twenty three, you don't have to turn, but it says by faith Moses when he was born was hidden for three months by his pateris. So obviously it's not talking about his fathers, plural. But regardless of whether this gets translated fathers or parents, obviously the principle is the same. Parents, do not provoke your children to anger. Now this, this provoking to anger is just one word in the, in the Greek. It's perorgies. And it really includes the range of different kinds of angers. Everything from silent fuming... Uh, to outright rage, okay? So it's not just talking about one particular kind of anger. It's just this idea of their inner life. Don't provoke your children to anger. Now, how does, how does that happen? How do we, what are some of the ways that we provoke our children to anger? John MacArthur in his book lists some examples. Uh, he said excessive discipline, inconsistent discipline, unkindness, favoritism, Overindulgence, overprotection, pressure to achieve, neglect, criticism, indifference, humiliation. Uh, you know, as I'm reading those, it's like a wave of guilt is coming over me. And some of you guys are thinking, man, that's, that's like breakfast on Sunday morning. You know, I just want to get out the door without the kids, kids starting a war. Uh, Colossians 3.21 is a parallel passage to this. Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, also could be parents, Parents, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. So what's the core truth we're seeing here? I think you could say it like this. The, the first core truth from this verse is that parents pay attention to the heart. Okay? Pay attention to the heart. You know, our goal as parents is not just obedience, right? Parents, I think, love the first two verses in this chapter. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. We're like, yes. I, kids, you need to memorize this verse. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. I remember my, my parents reciting that verse to me. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obey your parents in the Lord. Parents love obedient kids, all right? But hear this. 
your mission as a parent is much greater than obedience, all right? If your kids become obedient, but their heart is far from God, what have you accomplished? What have you gained? You know, think of the verse, um, you know, a man can gain the whole world, but lose his soul. Okay, so your mission as parents is much greater than obedience. You've got to pay attention to the heart. Jesus said as much, if you would turn to Luke chapter 6, verse 43 to 45, or you can just listen along, listen to what Jesus said. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So you get what Jesus is saying there. He's saying, if your heart is right, then your behavior is going to be right. Paul Tripp, in his, uh, he has a series on parenting that's really good. I, if you ask him about it afterwards, I can tell you more about it. I can loan it to you. But he said this. He said, much of what we call parenting is really just apple nailing. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, suppose you had a tree, um, and it was, you wanted it to, to grow apples, but it's an oak tree. And you say, well... Um, man, what could I do to get this tree to bear some fruit? And you come up with this brilliant idea that you're going to go buy a couple bushels of apples, and you're going to take them, you're going to go and nail them up on the tree, and you've got this great apple tree, all right? Well, that would, that would last until the staples gave away or, or whatever else, and no matter what you do, you're not going to turn that oak tree into an apple tree, all right? And I think sometimes as parents we can become so focused on the behavior, so focused on the actions, the external things that our kids are doing and and things like obedience and that we forget about the heart. What, What we're really doing is trying to nail apples to a tree instead of saying, hey, this, this, this person, this tree really needs to be transformed uh, into the kind of tree they need to be. Okay. You know, when we come to Christ, the Bible says that we become a new creation. And that means that there's something that happens inside of our heart. And when our heart's been changed, it's going to flow. It's going to come out in our behaviors, in our actions. So as you think about what that means for you as a parent, what that means is that, you know what, I need to be after my kids' hearts. I need to be seen inside of them. And what Paul is saying when he says, don't provoke your children to anger, He's saying, and you can, you can come up with the, all the elaborate things that you want to do to try to get your kids to be obedient. But if in the process you are making them feel provoked to anger, if you are stirring up resentment and bitterness and anger in the process of trying to get them to be obedient, you're not parenting their heart. You're provoking them to anger. And it doesn't matter what, other, what else happens after that if you've lost their heart. To look on the flip side, you know, what does it look like if we are paying attention to our kids' hearts, if we're parenting their hearts? I'm just going to read two, two verses, Ephesians 4, 1 to 2. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy 
of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Now, this applies to everyone. Parents, do we deal with our kids in humility? Do we show them gentleness and patience? Do we bear with them in love? In other words, we know they are not adults yet. They are still growing and becoming the people that they're going to be. James 1.19, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. This is awesome. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And man, to be a parent is to be angry. I understand that. I, so many times it's all you can do to, to not just, you know, you, you, this just this 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 rage can just build up inside of you, and you're just like, "Kids, get to bed." Uh, but again, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. We're not called to try to change our kids through anger. Um, and you know what? We're all going to fail. We're going to fail probably this afternoon. But I think here's, here's, here's a key thing to remember. If we, are, if we are trying to pay attention to our kids' hearts, we're going to let them see inside our heart. We're not going to pretend that we have it all together. We're not going to pretend that we're perfect. And when we mess up, we're, we're going to apologize to them. How many, I don't know how many of you guys ever had times um, when your parents may have apologized to you. And, and that's, that's a hard thing to do. Uh, if, if you ever had that happen, you know, you understand that, man, that's a, that's a humbling thing for a parent to go to a kid and say, you know what, I'm sorry. The way I reacted earlier today was wrong. I, I, I shouldn't have yelled at you. I shouldn't have got mad. I shouldn't have got angry. And I think that if, if we can do that, uh, we're really helping to shepherd their hearts. We're really helping to mold their inner person because then they realize, you know what, my mom doesn't have it all figured out. My dad doesn't have it all figured out. They're messed up just like me. Um, core truth number two. Back to Ephesians chapter six. The second part of the verse. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You know, this word, bring them up, it's the same word that you see in verse 29. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it. The word that's translated nourishes in verse 29 is the same word that's translated bring them up in verse 4. Nour- so so let's, let's put that in to give a little different sense. Do not provoke your children to anger, but nourish them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You know, our kids, they need nourishment. And we understand it. We understand it when we're thinking about their food. And again, going back to this, like, this, this world that opens up when you start to give them food. And you just, you're like, what do I give them? You know, I'm not sure if they can eat oatmeal now. Can they, when can they have peanut butter? All this stuff that starts flooding in. We need to do the same thing with their spiritual lives. We need to nourish them. We need to to nourish them in discipline. So that means there needs to be structure. Now, when, when he's saying don't provoke your children to anger, it doesn't mean that your kids are never going to get angry. 
your kids are going to be ang get angry sometimes. And, and if it's because you're being uh, fair and disciplining them and putting in structure that they're rebelling against, I mean, that, that's its own thing. You can't control that, okay? Your kids are going to get angry. But don't provoke them. Don't, don't be such a, a harsh person, such an overbearing person that you are adding needless things for them to be angry about. But you need to give them discipline. And you need to give them instruction. The discipline and instruction of the Lord. You know, these are kind of synonyms in this verse, but it's just this idea that we are trying to transform them. We're trying to, I'll give you the, set, the core truth number two, point them to Jesus, okay? We're trying to point them to Jesus. We're paying attention to the heart and pointing them to Jesus. Now, what's our target? What are we aiming for in this discipline and instruction of the Lord? Proverbs 127, or sorry, Psalm 127. I'm going to read the whole psalm. This, this is awesome. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. Verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Now, a couple of cool things I want, I want us to see about this psalm. This metaphor is saying, you know, our kids are like weapons of war. They're arrows. Now, if I was coming up with a weapon of, of battle that my kids are going to be, I'd, I'd be like, man, could they be like on my back or could they be a belt? You know, something that's probably going to be kind of stay out of harm's way. Something that is going to be kind of a, going to stay safe. But when you think about an arrow, it's, it's something that you shoot out from yourself. You send it, you direct it, you put it in motion. Okay, and that's what we're aiming toward. We are trying to raise our children to be these arrows that get shot out on mission, on purpose, to go fight for God. That's what we want to see. And uh, on Wednesday night in the, the guy's study, we were, this passage came up in the video we were watching, and, and Greg Harris was talking about how they really kind of took this, this verse as kind of a theme verse as they raised their kids. And they tried to think about for each of their kids, man, where... One thing about an arrow is you want to direct it and you want to send it to the spot where it's going to be most effective. So, you know, in a battle, there's, some, there's, different, kind of, there's different archers and they're aiming at different targets. And, you know, some of them have these flaming arrows and he kind of thought of this analogy. You know, you send that arrow out there, it's on fire, and you want it to hit in a spot of maximum impact and spread that fire. And, and the same with our kids. And we want our kids to, we want to figure out who they are as people. And what their interests are. And how they can be most used effectively. And help to steer them that way. Help direct them. Help shoot them out into that spot in life. That vocation, that ministry, that area. Where they can be most effective. Where they can be those arrows that are furthering God's mission. Now... This idea that our kids are weapons and arrows kind of, it, it kind of goes against our natural instincts, right? I mean, 
we don't want to put our kids into danger. We want to keep them safe. We want to, we want to protect them forever. And, you know, what, if, if, you want to, if you want to get me teary in a movie, show me a movie where it's about kids leaving home, all right? I mean, I already, just, just thinking about that almost gets me right now. You know, the movie Toy Story 3, I can hardly watch that thing, all right? But we're going to have to send our kids out. And so what, what are we doing today to help prepare them to be those arrows in God's, in God's service? You know, and another thing from Psalm 127 that I think is really key to get is that along with this vision of where our kids are headed is this kind of realization and this understanding that we can't change their hearts. Look at, look at the first verse. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. I mean, man, we can have the best plans and the best ideas about parenting and all of that. If God is not working, if God is not changing them, it's for nothing. And, and that's why you see, you know, just because someone is a, is a good parent, there's no guarantee that their kids are going to be what you had in mind. And so, man, we, we, we go to our knees and we pray to God and we say, God, use my kids, you know. Let them be, let them grow to be the kind of young men and young women that you can, you can use and you can go to battle with. And, and also one more thing that, you know, I think sometimes when people have young kids, you kind of, you feel trapped in your realm of ministry sometimes because kids take so much of your time, they take so much of your effort that, uh, you know, the idea of being able to go and do something like a trip to Haiti or to, or to do some of the things that sound like really cool and exciting ministries, you know, if you've, got a, if you've got a young kid at home, man, those things sometimes feel like they're really far away. And, you know, you think about going into battle, you've got people at the front and they're fighting with knives and they're fighting with whatever, pick, pickaxes or, you know, whatever they have, you know, up there and, and spears and, and they're riding horses and the, the archers are sometimes positioned, you know, farther back, farther away. And if you're in a battle, you might think, man, you know, I'm an archer. I'm not up there in the heat of the battle. I'm not up there swinging my sword. But you know what? If you're a parent, you're forming arrows. You're, you're fulfilling a really key part of this battle that we're involved in. And, you know, someday you're going to shoot those kids out and you're going to have opportunity to run up to the front line. But it's... You're kind of in a unique time when your kids are home that uh, you're fulfilling a different strategic part, but it's just as important. It's just as much a part of the battle. So practically, you know, how do we do this? How does this happen? How do we nourish our kids in the discipline and instruction of the Lord? I'm just going to give you a couple things to think about. The first thing is to remind ourselves of that end goal. You know, our kids are arrows. We're training them to that end, to shoot them out. And, and if I keep that end in mind, it, it, I think it can help me not to get distracted. There's so many things, so many avenues of things that we want our kids to be. You know, we want them to be good in sports. We want them to be good in academics. We want them to pursue all these interests and things. And all those things are great. But we just have to continue to come back to say, you know, am I fulfilling this core thing? Am I pointing my kids to Jesus? Am I shaping their hearts? And sometimes we've got to step back and just evaluate, man, where, where's our family at? You know, do we have so much happening that we don't have time to nourish and shape them? 
And I think that's just an ongoing process, and it's going to change as your kids get older and older. Um, you know, but just to come back to the idea, you know, what I want for my kids is to know God and to love him. And so I've got to have a plan. Uh, if, if you guys don't have a time when you're, when you're as a family able to, to sit down and figure out a time when you can do devotions, man, I'd say, go. That's something to do tonight. Talk to your, talk to your spouse or, or, you know, if you're on your own as a parent, think through, you know, what's my plan for shaping my kids? How am I going to mold them? And we can all have good intentions, but unless we really have a plan, uh, those intentions aren't, are going to fall by the wayside. And this is an area that, that I've, you know, we, our family has struggled with at different points um, or, or been inconsistent at times. And what we've really found for us is that if we can, if we can do this after, you know, if we try to have one meal a day where we're together and just take five minutes, ten minutes to read a verse and talk about it, uh, then it can just become a part of our daily, daily routine. But you're going to have to, every family is different, you're going to have to work that out and figure out what does it look like for us to be intentional to train our kids in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, as, as, we, as we go into communion, um, I want us to think about one more aspect of this. And that is, when we think about the cross and what happened there, you know, our, our thoughts go right away to Jesus and what he was going through and the pain that he was enduring. Uh, in his book on parenting, Gary Thomas points out that sometimes we forget about the father in this scene. And I want you to think about for a moment, what did it feel like for God the father to look down at his son, to see him beaten and whipped and mocked? And one of the most painful things as a parent is to see your kid go through something hard. Maybe to visit with them after a day of school when they say, yeah, there were some kids that were saying some stuff to me that, that made me feel bad. And to think, here was the father watching his son, his son being beaten, and his son being mocked. And to know that he had, he had the, the power, the ability to step in at any moment and not to do that. And to remember the reason that he did that, the reason he did that was for me. So that I could become part of his family. So that I could become his son, his daughter. And I, th I think of the verse from Romans 8. said, he who did not spare his own son for us, but freely gave, him up, freely gave him up, how will he not also with him give us all things? You know, God has given us the best. He let his son go to the cross for us. He watched his son endure that pain so that we be could become part of his family. He's given, us, he's given us the best. How will he not after that give us the rest? Let's pray. Father, as we think about this topic of parenting, um, Lord, we can feel some pain and regret and guilt. And we thank you that the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed us from that. We can walk in freedom and in life. 
and with transformed hearts. Because God the Father did not spare his own son, but gave us up for us, gave him up for us all. Father, help us to be people that pay attention to our own hearts. Lord, may we not be people that are being seeking transformation through anything else but our very hearts. Lord, may you transform each one of us from the inside out to make us like your son. And as we take this bread and this juice, we remember what you did and the great price you paid. And as we go out of here, Lord, help us to plan. Help us to point our kids to Jesus. Help us to use the short time we have, the short time we have with our kids for your glory, for your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. to transform us from the inside out. Romans 8, 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Now, when we think about uh, our, our parents and our mothers and fathers, sometimes there can be a lot of hurt. Um, but how awesome to know that we have a heavenly father who has not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given us the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And that word Abba is tender, it's intimate, it's Daddy, Daddy, Father. That's the relationship that God gives to us. So let's, as we leave today, let's be thankful for that. Let's be renewed in our own efforts if we are parents. Or if we're not parents, as we look around at the other parents around us that we can encourage, let's be encouraged to know that we have this God who cares about our hearts, who wants us to to be transformed from the inside out and to know Jesus. Amen. I love this last song that we're going to sing. Everybody knows it well, so we're going to rely on your voices to carry this. But what you may not know about this song, it was written by a man named Brenton Brown, and both he and his wife have chronic fatigue syndrome. And uh, I, that's parenting right there, chronic fatigue syndrome. You look that parenting up in the dictionary, and that's what it says. Um, let's just sing this song out because we get tired in life we get worn out right but strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord God you are the king of kings and the lord of lords and you have set up your church so that the gates of hell will not overtake it. When we proclaim the name of Jesus over our homes, when we proclaim the name of Jesus over our kids, when we proclaim the name of Jesus over our workplace, when we kick Satan out of our lives with the name of Jesus, there is power in the blood. And all God's people said, 
Amen. We hope to see you next week. Thanks for being here.